Hello, my name's Justin the Clue, and I'm here today with Will Sloan. And today we're talking about the man, the myth, the legend, Bruce Lee. And Bruce Floytation. Bruce Lee, Bruce Lai, Bruce La, Bruce Lung, Bruce La, Bruce K L Lee. Who's to say who's better? Just Bruce in the Young Dragon. <laughs> there also um Bruce Lee, just that name, which was applied to whoever it was who starred in True Game of Death. <laughs> And maybe one of them is Bruce Lee that's come back from the grave under a different identity as portrayed in Bruce Lee Fights Back from the Grave. So we decided to pick this topic because Will has made it clear that you are a Bruce Bloitation fanatic. Maybe I should explain what Bruce Bloitation is. Mm-hmm. When Bruce Lee died uh, in 1973 after making only four feature-length action movies that he starred in, um, that left a bit of a box office void, which other people were more than happy to fill. So... Uh, for a couple of years there, unscrupulous producers were getting all sorts of Hong Kong bit part actors and stuntmen and putting them in tracksuits and turning them into the next Bruce Lee. So uh, it's a it's a vast genre, like dozens and dozens of these films. Probably like more than a hundred of these Probably, films. Probably, yeah. yeah. Um, and they all usually have Bruce Lee dot 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 and the Iron Finger, yeah. the Invincible. They all start with his yeah. name. Yeah. Or they're variations of... Yeah, other Bruce like, Lee films. Enter the Game of Death, Enter Three Dragons, Fist of Fury 2, mm-hmm. like New Fist of Fury, lots of stuff like Fist that. Fist of Fear, Touch of Death. Uh, one of my favorites. But before we get to that section of movie history, let's talk about Bruce Lee himself. Now, I gotta be honest, that when I was a kid, Bruce Lee had no place in my cinema watching um, history. Interesting, why is that? I remember very vividly when my father rented Enter the Dragon and Blade Runner, these two VHSs, and he said, these are important films that we're going to watch together. Mm -hmm. And the only thing that stuck out of my mind for Enter the Dragon was that Bruce Lee punched some people and killed other people. And that really tore up my conscience in some weird way. He does gratuitously kill some people in that movie. Like there's uh, Jackie Chan, in fact, uh, as a stuntman who he, it's a famous scene where he snaps his neck for, mm-hmm. for no good reason. And for some weird reason, I think that because he was so iconic that you feel like you already know his films. Mm. So you're like, I don't need to see them. And some of them may have passed by my vision, like Fist of Fury or The Big Boss or stuff like that. But it was just something about Bruce Lee that never really attracted me to him that much. Okay, I have a, I have a weird history with Bruce Lee because I know that I saw, when I was a kid, I saw Way of the Dragon and I saw Enter the Dragon. And I, you know, liked them enough. Um, but I think I got into him actually through Bruce Bloitation mm. because Bruce Bloitation as a genre, it just like broke my brain that it existed, that there was this whole genre of films about just ripping off this guy who died. I agree with you. I think I probably saw more Bruce Bloitation films before I finally went back and I went, okay. I'll watch The Big Boss, but, Okay, finally. but then through that, I started reading more about Bruce Lee, and I saw documentaries about him, and then, you know, I started watching the movies more, and, you know, Enter the Dragon became sort of a favorite of mine, and a lot of it has to do, I think, with the fact that Bruce Lee is a massive legend, a too big a legend for just four films. Yeah, he is so iconic, and he defines something so important. Hong Kong cinema, oh, in yeah. total, people like Stephen Chow not, not base just, their persona yeah, not as just fighters Hong Kong on cinema, Bruce Lee, like, like worldwide the, cinema. The, Asian identity mm-hmm. like he he is a absolutely important transnational figure and could al- this only have happened because he died though I think so oh yeah definitely I mean 
okay, having said that, it would be great if there were a few more movies and a few better movies, mm. frankly. Because uh, let's be honest, his movies aren't that hot. Yeah, like, I think he's got four movies, and if you took all the good scenes, you basically, and you put them together, you basically have one good movie, mm-hmm. or maybe one and a half good movies. We can go through them real fast, because The Big Boss was the film that he made when he came to Hong Kong cinema. Bad movie. For people that don't know, uh, Bruce Lee was a trainer in... First in Seattle, and then in Los Angeles. He became like the kung fu teacher to the stars so james coburn steve mcqueen roman polanski a couple others like trained with him and he got the gig of being Cato on the green hornet mm-hmm. and that was kind of a big thing in asia and it's actually when he went down he realized that in um some countries it was called like the Cato show mm-hmm. with green hornet yeah so he decided to capitalize on and he this. wasn't getting any work in hollywood because he couldn't uh they weren't hiring an asian lead famously david carradine's kung fu show was developed for bruce lee but he was passed over for it and he had the script that he wanted to do that was called the silent flute which david carradine later remade as circle of iron bad movie yeah it's terrible yeah so he his name carried a lot of credibility in hong kong so he went over made these four movies all of which were massively popular in but hong we kong. also have to say that they were massively cheap movies the big boss was directed by a guy called Lo Wei who made tons of films, but was supposedly barely a director and was more interested in horse racing than he was about what was happening in front of the camera. Yeah, that's the famous story, right? That he, like, took naps on the set (laughs) or whatever. (laughs) He was a real Alfred Hitchcock. He's famous now for being the guy who mishandled Jackie Chan before Jackie Chan went off with another guy and figured out his persona. (laughs) Because Lo Wei tried to make Jackie into a Bruce Ploitation star, putting him in films like New Fist of Fury. So Bruce Lee, after Big Boss, which was a massive hit, he got to make Fist of Fury again with Slow Way, and that was a super duper hit. And is still like reverberating in China today. There are still movies that owe a lot of debt to Fist of Fury, mostly because it's a very jingoistic, nationalistic movie. It's Bruce Lee plays a martial arts student whose master is poisoned, and he, un- he goes out and just kills everyone. <laughs> well, he uncovers the plot that he was poisoned by the Japanese occupiers. Yeah. Um, and- no dogs or Chinese allowed. Yeah, we are not the sick men of Asia, yep. which I think is a line that something must have got lost in translation there. I mean, <laughs> even after a second film, he was already given the opportunity to direct his own work, which was Way of the Dragon. W- Way of the Dragon has that super basic plot where he's like, he's the guy who goes to like his what is it, his uncle restaurant mm-hmm. in in another country and it's terrorized by gangs so yeah the rumble in the bronx plot <laughs> yeah that's right but of course it ends famously with his fight with chuck norris mm-hmm. which is a great fight because, yeah great hair ripping fight well it tells a story it really expresses bruce lee's philosophy of the martial art because if you watch the fight in the early parts of the fight bruce is adhering too much to rigid forms and once he embraces um jeet kune do basically the the art of fighting without fighting well yeah yeah, the, the art of adapting to circumstances, yeah. being like water, as For Bruce Lee would say. that would don't say. know, uh, Jeet Kune Do was the martial arts that Bruce Lee derived, which was a mixture of all martial arts. Because as far as movies have taught me, which is where I get all my history and facts, martial art branches are very strict about mm-hmm. theirs being the best, and they'll stick to these forms. Mm-hmm. And Bruce Lee kind of adapted them and used whatever he thought was important from each one to make the ultimate fighting style. And Jeet Kune Do is sort of a precursor to modern day mixed martial arts Mm -hmm. but then you know hollywood came knocking which led to the hong kong american co-production enter the dragon which i mean 
Everyone's seen it. You just watched it again this week, right? I did. And I've seen it like 50 times. I've, I have it all memorized. It's so iconic that like it's been absorbed by pop culture as a whole. Like mm. the tournament fighting a movie, um, his best friend played by Jim Kelly and a slumming John Saxon who famously thought that he was the star of the movie. Well, that's what's funny about Enter the Dragon is you watch it and it is a Bruce Lee, John Saxon movie. Like they're co-billed above the title. And John Saxon, I think, takes up a little too much of it, frankly. Well, he's not a very good fighter. I, You know what? I, I like, like John him. Saxon. Yeah, but yeah. this should be a Bruce Lee, Jim Kelly film. Well, there's no doubt. Okay, here's the problem with End of the Dragon. Uh, there's that whole long scene in the second half where Han, the guy who runs the evil island, tours John Saxon around the island and invites him to become part of his criminal empire. That should have been Bruce. Mm-hmm. Also, Jim Kelly is John Saxon's Vietnam War buddy. Should have been Bruce Lee's Vietnam War buddy. Yeah. And write John Saxon out of the movie. No, John Saxon can be in it, but he's the one who gets killed at the end of the second act. And then it's Jim Kelly (laughs) and Bruce that team up and fight all the bad guys. Also, why doesn't Bruce get to fuck? (laughs) The other two guys get to fuck. Why not Bruce? That's because I know he has to, he's a no fapper, right? He has to keep it like. Well, he did get to fuck and that led to his death. A few months before Enter the Dragon <laughs> yeah. came out. Just on Enter the Dragon, I would say that, like, it doesn't have enough Bruce Lee fights. No. The fights it has... It takes an hour for him to actually yeah. throw punches against some villains. The fights it has are great, but well, they're great in the particular Bruce Lee style, which is not the Jackie Chan style. And that's the problem I had with Bruce Lee, is that I could not adapt to the Bruce Lee style of fighting. When I was getting into these Hong Kong movies and, like, kung fu films, there's one specific thing that I wanted to see, and that was a Sammo Hung or Jackie Chan style of combat. Very acrobatic. And that's not what Bruce Lee gave me. He gave me, as uh, the book Planet Hong Kong by David Boardwell shows, a punch-punch-stop kind of fighting style. Right. Well, that's because Bruce Lee was, first and foremost, a martial artist and Mm -hmm. an actor secondary. He saw film as a vehicle to expound his philosophy of the martial art. So he always thought that well, if you have a bunch of henchmen, they can't all get an awesome fight with me because, like, I'm the fucking martial arts master. And for people that don't know, Bruce Lee was a giant egomaniac. Oh, certainly. But, I mean, it makes sense, right? Like, how can this guy be so badass if any henchman can can take him? Which was what Jackie Chan went against when right. he made his movies. <laughs> but uh, with Bruce Lee, when I think of why he's he still resonates so strongly and looms so large, I think a lot of it has to do with, like, he's a a mythical figure. He's the guy who people say stories about from his personal life, like, like a modern day Samson or somebody like that. And the way that he portrayed himself on screen was also as like the all powerful. And he was famous for the one inch punch. He would have no wind up and knock someone across the room just with a little flick of his wrist. Okay. And that's the kind of thing that kids say to each other. Exactly. And they say, Oh, did you know they had to slow the camera down because he was so fucking fast, you know, or Like, how many times have you heard this story that when he was teaching martial arts in San Francisco, um, all the other guys who taught martial arts in San Francisco were mad at him because he was teaching guaylos, you know, white guys. So so they summoned him. They said, we will challenge you to a fight. And if you lose the fight, you can't teach martial arts anymore. But if we win the fight, we'll I don't know, we'll fuck off or whatever. And, And so then the story climaxes with they have this fight. Bruce Lee beats the guy. But then his wife finds him behind the school and he's got his head in his hands and she said, honey, what's wrong? And he says, the fight took too long. And so from that, he created Jeet Kune Do. Sounds like an awesome story. But I mean, honestly, it probably didn't happen. Well, I mean, it probably happened, but it's like 
how big was this threat? It was just some fucking dumbass down the street who like challenged him to a fight. And- well, they're still mining this kind of history. Like a film played a tiff last yeah. year about Bruce Lee taking on, I think it was a Shaolin monk. Once again, it was directed by a white guy, the man oh, who gave sure. us the adjustment bureau. But like that, the climax to the story sounds too good. Mm. That it was at that moment that he realized he had to create Jean Kudo. But also, how important was this fight? It was probably just, you know, it says probably just some dummy. But when in the telling of the story, it's like, oh, he was summoned by by the ancient masters of San Francisco. And that's why his story lends itself so well to Bruceploitation is because there's these big benchmarks that people can kind of expand and make into a dramatic uh, structure. But before we get to that, we have to talk about the way that he died. Okay. So now do you this want to is, talk about it? Yeah, I do. Which is, why are you afraid that like the I'm, I'm afraid the Chinese estate, mafia will get me? Um, is that he was with his mistress? Well, I heard that it was an allergic reaction. <laughs> That's to what it mar- was. To yeah. marijuana. Typical explanation was that he took some. He took an aspirin, and mm-hmm. that like caused swelling in his brain or something. Yeah. Um, he moved too soon, too fast. And that's what really killed him. What I think is cool about Bruce Lee, too, is that he is a tiny man, but he is so cocky and so sure of himself. It's like otherworldly. And also the way he carries himself in the movies with his, you know, with that ridiculous sound and just the crazy overacting, the thumbing of the nose and the licking of the blood. He reminds me of Prince. Did you ever (laughs) do Bruce Lee imitations on the playground? Like, were you like with your friends fake fighting and being like, whoa? Oh, sure. Because that's so easy to imitate, yeah. right? And that's what Bruce Ploitation is, which is that he only had four movies. So there's not that much to have to pull from to be like, oh, this is Bruce Lee. Because like right off the bat, that kind of why and stuff like that. Yeah. Almost all of the Bruce Ploitation films take that, which I find really annoying. But you love Oh, sure. It's, yeah, I mean, I love I love everything about Bruceploitation. <laughs> I, I love the shamelessness of it. I love all the iconography. I love the yellow tracksuit, all of it. Yeah, because if we talk about the iconography of these films, like you said, the Game of Death tracksuit, that yellow thing, it will appear in everyone. I'm pretty sure that Bruce Lai, like, bought that, like, jogging suit, and he wears it in, like, 30 movies. Or if it's not the yellow tracksuit, it's like they're wearing, they're wearing, like, a blue a blue jacket that has the stripes down the arms yep. or something. Yeah. And then you have like the, the nunchucks that you see all the time. The thumbing of the nose. Bruce lie does that Bruce Lee smile in every <laughs> one of his movies. Uh, and then if you get even deeper into it, you have Bolo Young who appeared as one of the combatants in Enter the Dragon. And Bolo Young, you know, big upper body strength and very much the Eric Roberts of Hong Kong cinema in that he'll appear in anything. <laughs> and he is in almost every Blue Bruce Plotation <laughs> film. You kind of like can set your watch to like, when is Bolo going to show yeah. up? I think that a good starting point too would be talking about the film The Clones of Bruce Lee. This is probably like the most famous mm-hmm. one. Is it? like? It's... I don't know if it's the most famous, but it's the one with the most novel title and premise that people remember it. Yeah. Where it was made by uh, producer Dick Randall, who was known as kind of an exploitation maven from the UK. He made Pieces, yeah. the uh, slasher film. It's exactly what you think it is. Which, in fact, features a cameo by Bruce Lee. Mm-hmm. Which Bruce Lee was Dick Randall's Bruce Lee guy. Mm-hmm. And he appears in Clones of Bruce Lee. And I had actually never watched the movie until we decided to do this podcast. And what I discovered was... There was barely a movie. 
I I watched it again uh, just the other day, and I had a really good time with it. I gotta be honest, it's utter shit. There's a lot of fighting, but it doesn't really mean anything, and it's not yeah. quite fun enough. It's repetitive, and it definitely runs out of gas by the time it's over. But <laughs> needs more Bruce Lee clones. But here's what the clones of Bruce Lee is about. Bruce Lee rushed to the hospital, dies. Meanwhile, a scientist clones him. Uh, so you got Bruce La, you got Dragon, Dragon Lee. Lee. And you got Bruce Lai, who I don't even fucking know. Yeah, there's some just there's some other guy. Yeah, they made up. Not not Bruce Lai L I. It's Bruce <laughs> Bruce Lai is like the best of the clones. There's Bruce L A I. Yeah, that's this guy. And then later on, there's another guy called Bruce Tai. <laughs> and they call them Bruce One, Bruce Two, Bruce Three. Yeah. And Bruce Tai is just a guy who they yeah. meet in uh, Thailand. And so they put these three Bruces um, to work in the Hong Kong film industry. Then, meanwhile, unscrupulous producers are going to kill Dragon Lee in front of the camera. Bruce Lee won. Yeah. Um, and collect the insurance money or whatever. And then, meanwhile, there's another plot about a mad scientist who, and he's got these bronze men. Do you remember? <laughs> yeah, they're supposed to be made of metal, but they're just dudes in diapers, like painted gold. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Uh, there's the scene where they go to the topless beach. I- I know that's the only thing that you'd probably remember about it, which is the two Bruce's just kind of stand off to the side and watch a bunch of naked women kind of soap themselves up on the beach. Yeah, hilarious. Just it has nothing to do with anything. And then there's a whole plot where Bruce 2 and Bruce 3 get like enlisted by the Secret Service or whatever. <laughs> Did you remember that? It's a very episodic film. Well, that was probably a 10 hour epic that they cut down well, to fit uh, 90 minutes. I, th- I have a theory that this is just maybe two movies that they put together. Together, right that's something that mega director producer godfrey ho used to do which is take a film that was incomplete and kind of mesh it with another film right. and usually link it by having someone on a phone calls another character and dragon lee is famous yeah. for that he, so, made, he made tons of uh, godfrey ho movies yeah which were these kind of patchworks jobs which would make sense that he's in this one well with clones of bruce lee what i think might have happened was the whole movie kind of visually looks the same. So I think maybe they started shooting something, Mm -hmm. ran out of money, and then uh, nobody was buying it. So then they're like, oh, well, hey, what if we made it the clones of Bruce Lee and we can get Dragon Lee in on it? Because Dragon Lee is not in very many scenes with the other two clones. Yeah. There is one fight between Bruce La and Dragon Lee, and that's probably what the movie was sold on. And they probably went, we don't need any kind of scientific <laughs> apparatuses. We just got some spaghetti strainers that they can put on their head yeah. with wires coming out of them. And so it's this like incoherent plot and everything about it that makes it special for me. But I- it's just not crazy enough, which is something that yeah. I said a lot watching these Bruce Bluetation films. But then when you watch the other Dick Randall Bruce Lee film, Challenge of the Tiger, now that is the good stuff. That's a fucking great movie. It may even be the best Bruceploitation movie. Like, yeah. is there one that's better? I don't know. I don't, I don't think so, because it has everything. It has the martial arts, the wine, the... The nudity. Oh, so much nudity. <laughs> Did you want to see um, women play tennis in the nude in slow motion? Well, you're going to get it in so, Challenge of the Tiger. Challenge of the Tiger from 1980 are about two secret agents. You got Bruce La. He kicks ass. You got Richard Harrison. He fucks. <laughs> yeah, he does. Richard Harrison. Is a middle-aged man who's like kind of sweaty. As he's got he's a been. Harry Reams mustache. <laughs> yep. And he's, he's hairy all over and he wears a little Speedo. And he lives in a palatial mansion with a bunch of topless girls around him. And Richard Harrison was one of those Hollywood 
also Rams. Yeah, I was gonna say excommunicated, where he appeared in a lot of Italian productions, and he. What role did he turn down? The man with no name. Yeah, that's right. So his big, as as he himself has joked, his biggest contribution to film history was making Clint Eastwood's career possible. <laughs> I'm sure that if he was in it, it probably wouldn't have been as memorable as no, it ended up being. Probably not, because he was in a million spaghetti westerns. Yeah, and he ended up at the rock bottom of cinema, which is working with Godfrey Ho in okay. Ninja Films. Tell him this story. So Richard Harrison showed up and he acted in one movie over a few days. Or like maybe it might have been two or three. Yeah. Yeah. As the Ninja Warrior, you may have seen the clip online of him talking into a Garfield phone. (laughs) (laughs) And Godfrey Ho took this footage of Richard Harrison and made a hundred movies with it. And did not pay Harrison an extra dime. And this is one of the reasons that Richard Harrison retired, because he was so ashamed of all these hundreds of ninja movies that he was suddenly in. I wonder if Ninja he was... Terminator, Ninja Thunderbolt, Ninja whatever. I wonder if he was ashamed or having a great time on the set of Challenge of the Tiger, because, like, he's just macking on ladies the entire time. Don't you love the chemistry between Bruce La and Richard Harrison in this? They're, like, they're such great pals. <laughs> yeah. They love they, they love each other. So, like, every time Richard Harrison is macking on someone, like, Bruce lag gives him this look like there he goes again <laughs> yeah, there, okay there's a scene in this movie where bruce laugh fights a bull <laughs> yeah and it's like well i'm not gonna say it's a real bull because when he's fighting it's like a paper mache head bumping up against him but there is a guy fighting a bull in the movie yeah there's uh, a motorcycle chase there's oh um, a great fight with uh super kicker uh wan jan lee yeah that sure. jackie chan fought a bunch of times one of my favorite things about the movie too is there's this big scene at the racetrack where bruce la goes up and shakes joan severance's hand <laughs> Wait, because the, she, the she, porn star? I, she, she was like softcore, okay. like, but uh, and Jack Klugman from the Odd Couple sitcom <laughs> is in there too. Like he shakes Jack Klugman's hand, and apparently, like Dick Randall just told him, "Yo, there's uh, there's Jack Klugman. Go shake his hand, and we can put his name on the poster." <laughs> <laughs> so it's like Bowfinger. <laughs> Anyway, super fun movie. Like, if you only see one Bruce Plotation movie, I think make it Challenge of the Tiger. But we got a whole bunch of shit left to talk about. <laughs> because we haven't even really touched upon the greatest of all Bruce Plotation actors, Bruce Lai. Yes. Real name Ho Chung Dao, a uh, Chinese stuntman who had a pretty decent resemblance to Bruce Lee, I think it's fair to say. Yeah, a producer supposedly said, you look like Bruce Lee on half the side of your face, so we'll cast you in the movie. And, you know, put him in the haircut and yeah. put him in the tracksuit. That's basically the way that they cast all these Bruce Lee is that they just gave him the haircut and they're like you look exactly like him so I think uh, Bruce Lai some of his early movies are rough but I think you know pound for pound he had the best filmography of them all well I think he was the best martial artist yeah and by the end of his filmmaking career he had kind of figured out what works and what didn't for him so his action scenes in films like Dynamo which was actually choreographed by Yuo Ping mm. like has good fight scenes I did scenes, not know that okay even though that I watched it today and it's only fight scenes completely disconnected from anything yeah and like a lot of the Bruce exploitation films his main like subject he liked to tackle was being in the film industry yeah <laughs> which appeared in Dynamo and his directorial uh, debut and end the Chinese Stuntman. The Chinese Stuntman from 1982, one of his very last movies, is about, you know, he's just a humble stuntman in the Chinese film industry, and he's working under this superstar actor who actually kind of resembles Jackie Chan, who mm-hmm. would have been a big star at this point. He finds out that the producers are going to kill this superstar on camera. <laughs> they do this a lot, like Clones of Bruce Lee, Dynamo. <laughs> and I think that's interesting, though, isn't it? Like, all these Bruce Bloitation movies have this plot, which is basically about how life is cheap and expendable in the Hong Kong film industry, and that all the actors are just like, puppets being played by uh, sinister producers. Can you think of any other single person that has been exploited 
to the lengths that Bruce Lee ended up being. Oh, God, I don't know. Elvis, maybe? That's yeah, but they it. weren't, like, Elvis imitators in the way that they were, like, Bruce Bloitation. I mean, there are, there's an industry of Elvis imitators, but not in movies. Not in movies, that's yeah. what I mean, yeah. yeah. Which is why, like, films like The Chinese Stuntman, which is a really good movie. Like, it's a lot of fun. It has good action in it. Well, the final action scene, which is between Bruce Lai and uh, Danny Inosanto, who was one of Bruce Lee's actual students, is really strong. It's very destructive. They yeah. take a set, like, completely to pieces around them yeah but then there's other bruce lie pictures who are considered like lower end ones but which like captured my heart which was um soul brothers of kung fu love it this is an interesting offshoot of bruce exploitation which is that they stole everything from bruce lee films you'll find a ripoff picture where they do like the like him impersonating a phone operator bit that like, that anything. would be uh exit the dragon enter the tiger with bruce lie Something that really fascinated me was the way that the mere appearance of Jim Kelly in Enter the Dragon created a kind of cottage industry of these Bruce Bloitation stars appearing with black martial artists in movies. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, though, villains, too, because like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in, in The Unfinished Game of Death mm-hmm. ended uh, up playing inspi- a villain. But inspired a lot of black villains, too. In Soul Brothers of Kung Fu, the, um, I guess, real-life martial artist Carl Scott sure. um, teams up with Bruce Lai in this weird neo-realist story. It beginning. opens with them coming to Hong Kong on a raft. And the way they shoot Hong Kong, you're right, it's like neo-realism. It, mm-hmm. Like, Hong Kong is this, like, brutal dirty unforgiving city you know the title soul brothers of kung fu hypes you up for like okay this is gonna be like a black exploitation kung fu thing nope it's bruce lie's most depressing uh tragic film yeah absolutely i think that what really appealed to me about soul brothers of kung fu was that one it was action-packed Two, that action was motivated by what was going on. Bruce Lai in the movie, as a humble immigrant or refugee, he tr- becomes unexpectedly a world-famous fighter. But uh, when he refuses to take a fall for the mob, they decide to destroy his life. Completely. So they kill his girlfriend. They kill Carl Scott. Uh, they ruin everything around him. And so he goes on a trail of revenge with some of the most violent action in a Bruce Bloitation film. The, the, se- the movie climaxes with Bruce jabbing his fingers into the bad guy's heart and then it cuts to inside the guy's chest with blood squirting out of the heart (laughs) and this is one of those movies where at the end bruce lie defeats everybody but you still don't really feel like he's won well it ends with him cradling carl scott's body in in misery and there were even other weird bruce exploitation films like american martial artist ron van cleef Oh, yeah. I watched this one this week, The Death of Bruce Lee. So Ron Van Cleef being an actual real life black martial artist. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And in the movie, he comes to Hong Kong to find uh, Bruce Lee's killers. It's pretty boring. Yeah, Uh, there's not much to it. How about The Dragon Lives Again, though? Have you seen that one? So The Dragon Lives Again is a Bruce Plotation film. And I really hope that nobody's like taking shots every time we say Bruce (laughs) Plotation because you will be dead by now. That is the most famous one after Clones of Bruce Lee. Which is, it's the one where Bruce Lee fights all of pop culture. So Bruce Lee goes to hell. <laughs> it's it's technically not hell, it's the underworld, which is like a purgatory state, but it doesn't matter. Bruce Lee goes to hell, and uh, he immediately runs afoul of Dracula, Zatoichi... Clint James, Eastwood. Clint Eastwood, James Bond. Popeye, the, played by Eric Zane. The Godfather. No, Popeye is one of the good guys. That's right. Emmanuel, <laughs> yeah. the, the, the porn character, is, is a character. Yeah. 
Uh, the movie, like, it has kind of a hangout quality to it. It's it's a comedy, first and foremost. I saw it in a theater projected on 35mm oh, at the New York Kung Fu oh, Film fuck, Festival. Man, I wish I was you. I found it pretty boring. Oh, I love it. The action, it's all fights in, like, a salt quarry somewhere, so there's no, like, depth to the frame, and they're just kind of slapping each other. Uh, depth to the frame. Okay, <laughs> whatever. Okay, bored. The well. idea is funny, which is that he's meeting all these characters, but like nothing comes about it. So, but that's kind of what I like about it because Bruce, well. like when these characters show up, no big deal is made of it, and yeah. like Bruce just sort of takes it all very indifferently. It's just like a hangout movie, and they hang out at like this in the entire time. What about the scene where Emmanuel tries to fuck the Emperor of the Underworld to death? <laughs> That's pretty cool. Yeah, I guess. Maybe I need to watch it again. It was a really red print. Yeah. So, yeah, that took away all the joy out of it. Maybe we should say something about all the Bruce Lee biopics that were made. So, even Bruce Lai starred in the mega production, Bruce Lee, The Man, The Myth. Well, Bruce Lai made more Bruce Lee biopics than anyone. Mm -hmm. A lot of the early ones were kind of scandalous movies about uh, Bruce Lee's affair with Betty Ting Pei. Well, the Shaw Brothers actually made a film just about that. Starring Betty Ting Pei herself Mm -hmm. called Bruce Lee and I. Squeezing that 15 minutes until it's dry. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But yeah, the biggest of the Bruce Lee biopics was Bruce Lee, The Man, The Myth, starring Bruce Lai. It was shot on three continents. Badly. (laughs) Yes. Uh, it's fine. It's better it's, at the beginning than the end because they find no villain for him to fight by the end. Well, the problem with Bruce Lee, the man, the myth is all it is, is just a series of fights. It's like the movie has absolutely no depth whatsoever. No. Bruce Lee is the sketchiest character possible, but it follows him all around the world as, you know, whether it's uh, in Hong Kong, in San Francisco, in Hollywood, in Rome, where at every stop, somebody is challenging him on Chinese Kung Fu. And he beats them. It's he boring. Them over and over and over again. Yep. But I just kind of like the sheer shittiness of it. Like I really enjoyed the end where you see, the, it's like a choose your own adventure of how Bruce Lee died and you get to see different versions. Yeah. So like maybe he got killed by some gangsters. Well, the biggest version though is they they suggest that maybe Bruce Lee went into hiding and he's going to emerge on the 10th anniversary of his death in 1983. So, so mark your calendars. Watch out. Kids. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's the most famous one, which is Dragon, the Bruce Lee story. Oh, produced by Universal Pictures, of course. Yep, uh, directed by Rob Cohen, the uh, mastermind behind The Fast and the Furious. And starring Jason Scott Lee. Unrelated. Not a very good movie. Basically, a big-budget Bruce Lai biopic. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Just a hagiography. I mean, I think what I like about Bruce Lee, the man, the myth, is it pays... I mean, it's as dishonest as Dragon the Bruce Lee story is, yeah. but it almost makes no bones about it. It's just like... I he, mean, he's fighting fantastical warriors in his dreams by the end of the movie. Yeah, so. it's, it's like in, in the Bruce Lai one, it's it's just like, you know, here he is, he's cool, and you're going to see him beat people up at every time, and there's going to be no psychological depth whatsoever. It's just Bruce is a superhero, and he's awesome, he's defending the honor of China, bam, 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 that's it. Mm-hmm. So the saddest thing about talking about all of this is the kind of careers that the Bruce Ploitation stars had afterwards. And I think probably the one that hurts me the most doing research into it is Bruce Lai, where he directed the Chinese stuntman, starred in it, made one more movie and then just quit the um, cinema scene. Well, Bruce Lai, you know, he was a stuntman. He was a bit part actor and he was offered this chance at stardom. You know, you'll be the next Bruce Lee. And then and then. Once you be, once you hit, we're gonna turn you into a star in your own right. And unfortunately, nobody ever let that happen to him. No, nope. he kept being billed as Bruce Lai. The titles of his movies kept kept getting changed to things like The Image of Bruce Lee or Bruce Lee and the Iron Finger. Yeah. Um. And I mean, part of the problem of it is the guy's just not very charismatic. He's. Oh, a- I don't- 
think he's charismatic. I don't know. He's a good martial artist. He's a passable actor. But I mean, you know, next to Bruce Lee, there's no competition. Yeah, like, but Bruce he, Lee fucking oozes charisma. That's the thing is that he couldn't like escape this bubble. But, and that he just kept having to imitate it. But, like, but it's like, compare Bruce Lai to any of the other big martial arts stars, and I, I think, frankly, he just doesn't have the spark. He's talented, he's fine, but yeah. he, doesn't, he doesn't have that, that star quality. But to just quit outright? Like, that is a decision on his part. Well, apparently his wife died, reportedly. Mm. Uh, and also, I mean, I think just the market for his talent started to dry up. I mean, Jackie Chan became a star. You know, Choi Hawk was making movies. You know, people's interest had moved elsewhere. I read somewhere that he said that the way that Kung Fu was being portrayed on screen was getting too far away from its roots, which seems ridiculous to me, but that's an honorable reason to quit making well, movies. Well, the Jackie Chan style is very different from the Bruce Lee style. Mm-hmm. And I think the Bruce Lee style, I mean, if Bruce Lee rose from the grave today and made a movie, I think people might be a little disappointed because it doesn't have that acrobatic quality. And then you have Bruce Lee, who just kept trekking on and making movies, becoming a director in his own right. Yeah, so he directed, of course, The Challenge of the Tiger. He also made a, a pretty, like, passable movie called Ninja Over the Great Wall in the late 90s, which is has a World War Two drama, sort of inspired by Fist of Fury, but has some pretty decent production values. And then in the 90s, he made a Category 3 film called Comfort Women. And if people don't know what Category 3 is, that's basically the X rating. Yeah, uh, it's like softcore. Yeah. Uh, which was... Uh, a pretty thriving genre, actually, at the time in Hong Sex Kong Sex and Zen, an erotic ghost story. So this is a historical drama about the Chinese comfort women, and apparently it's a subject of actual interest for Bruce Lab because just two years ago he made another comfort women film, or maybe it was a TV show in mainland China. I don't know much about it, but you can Google that. That's insane. <laughs> yeah, he's still out there. And the other ones just kind of faded into obscurity, except for the star of Dragon Lives Again, Bruce Lung, who appears in Kung Fu Hustle as the Toad villain. Yep. I mean, Bruce Lung was not just uh, a Bruce clone. Yeah, he was an action choreographer yeah. as well, and um, he just kept working in the industry. But I think if uh, if I take a lesson from all of these Bruceploitation movies, the lesson is uh, just how much Bruce Lee meant to China, because... I think here in America, we don't quite understand that Bruce Lee is a somewhat jingoistic figure Mm. or a very uh, like. But he does define Kung Fu cinema in like most people's minds. Yeah. I I mean, I think I I think people don't understand in North America or not equipped to understand the extent to which Fist of Fury kind of harnessed China's national humiliation during the Second World War and at the hands of Japan. Yeah. And so people appreciate him for that. But I think what. North America is equipped to understand is Bruce Lee is a symbol for the downtrodden. I mean, he was extremely popular among minorities mm-hmm. in all countries and working class people. Yeah. Uh, because, because I mean, you know, in Fist of Fury, when he kicks that no dogs or Chinese sign, he could be kicking the whites only sign. I exactly. Mean, yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. So let's move on to the letters for Important Cinema Club. All right. So we have one from Matthew Kumar. <sighs> okay. He goes, hi, chaps. I said I wouldn't make a habit of this, so I've been saving up a letter for you. But I guess unlike Loose Cannons, which is the podcast I host with Justin LeClue, where we are awash with letters and never have to beg for them, uh, ever, I should help you guys out. (laughs) That's a joke. Oh, man, he even numbered these. One, the Katano episode. And he's referencing Takashi Katano, which we talked about a few episodes ago. I have to say that your pronunciation on this episode was shocking. It's Hannah B, not Hannah Bai. And Will made some statement about the title being more poetic in Japanese. I can clear that up. The kanji Hana means flower and B-I means fire, meaning firework. Literally translates as fire flower. 
But the way the language works, this is sort of like trying to deduce poetic meaning from Latin roots in English. Puns and poetry in the language tend to transpose kanji with the... Oh, man, you wrote a really long okay, letter. Okay, point taken. Uh, the thing is, me and Will do not speak Japanese. I'm doing my best, okay? I'm trying. Yeah, okay? I'm trying to. Yeah. Like... <laughs> And he says, two, big screen comedian failures. This topic could run and run. For one, I'm shocked that you didn't choose to discuss Dave Foley's peerless, the wrong guy. We, it was on the docket. We, uh, we, we talked about it. We may return to this topic. And there are other favorites of mine, such as basketball, that could be featured <laughs> on future episodes. Oh, does basketball <laughs> really count? Because, I mean... Trey Parker and Matt Stone make Cannibal the Musical. Well, but, but also, like... Baseball is their one kind of big studio movie that they starred in in The Flash, but I mean they also they also went on to do Team America in the South Park movie. Yeah, so they but maybe it counts. I don't yeah, know. I guess. And then Matthew finally goes the British comedy episode. Welp, as an actual British, well, more Scottish than British person, this episode graded slightly as only a group of North Americans discussing the UK can. Yep, that's who we are. We're North Americans. Okay, <laughs> should we have had a British person on to talk about it? Is that what he's saying? So let me just point out that you completely failed to remember any of the Ealing comedies, such as Kind Hearts and Coronets. I think we mentioned it. Uh, we, we did. Yep, very briefly because the director of Fish Called Wanda yeah. did the Lavender Hill Mob. I gotta be honest, I'm almost totally unfamiliar with the Ealing comedies. I haven't seen them. I should. Armando Inanucci's In the Loop. Very funny show. Love it. Or indeed, The Terrible Legacy of the Carry On Films or fucking Richard Curtis. I want to be honest. I've never seen a Carry On film. Yeah, no, I've seen like five minutes of one. I think I didn't mention Carry On because when I my go-to example of bad British comedy is Benny Hill. Yes, that's right. Yeah. 10 for 10 for Will Sloan forgetting his brand completely and not constantly mentioning Johnny English. Oh, God. Yeah, Johnny English. <laughs> Finally, somebody took the spy genre down a peg. Anyway, that's all. Love you. Bye, Matthew. Love you too, Matthew. Well, thanks very much for the letter. Okay, so next week, we're going to be talking about our contest winner selection. Yes. As we talked about before, we had a contest to advertise us, and someone stepped up to the plate. What did she do? She made a little poster of a duck saying to listen to our podcast. But that's not all she did. This she... is what really pushed it over the edge, because when you send in two entries, I think you I think you win. She also drew um, our logo, which is me and Will's faces, on a banana. Yes. <laughs> Instant win. Well, yeah, once you've done two things. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And so she uh, wants us to talk about Mike Lee, the British director. I'm not thrilled about it, but okay. <laughs> so are you familiar with his films? I've, I've seen a few of them. I've seen Mr. Turner. Did he do Another Year? I've, I've seen that. Yes, he did. I, I don't think I've seen one of his films. Okay, I haven't seen... We're going to watch... Well, maybe Naked. We're going to watch Naked. I'll probably watch Secrets and Lies. Mm -hmm. uh, oh, Topsy Turvy, he did that. That's right, okay, yeah. I, I've seen that. That was a VHS I got at Radio Shack, and I went, what the hell is this? I thought it was going to be a musical. I watched it a long time ago, liked it well enough, made no impression. This is one of those challenge episodes for me and Will, where we're really going to have to dig into it. All right. There's no choice. We have to do it. <laughs> yeah, we have to do it. That was the contest. Yeah. I'm excited. Yeah. Because I like challenging things. Will, not so much. Yeah, Bruce Plotation movies are what I like. <laughs> Just as a reminder, we do have a Patreon for the Important Cinema Club. It's $5 a month. We do an episode every week. Help Justin pay his bills. And this week, we did Austin Powers. So you really want to hear me and Will talk about that. It's the 20th anniversary, baby. <laughs> and we really dig deep into it and share our feelings. <laughs> Will's laughing because we actually did it, and he knows how much of his soul that he's bared. Yeah. All right, my name is Justin the Clue. I'm Will Sloan. Thanks for listening.
So I watched King Kong just uh, like a few days ago, and I was really blown away by it. The 1933 original. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) as opposed to the uh, Dino De Laurentiis, Jeff Bridges starring King Kong. Or the Peter Jackson. Yeah, that's right. That Which might be ripe for a reappraisal, who knows. And it was a movie that I had dismissed a long time ago, not because it's not good, but because it kind of had cemented its way into my mind. Like, I know what King Kong is. Like, I don't have to watch it again. But watching it... uh, over it was it's such a fun film oh yeah like the, once, minute, the minute kong shows up it's non-stop. just like a non-stop grand slam kind of thing which made me think that it's weird how as i get older i start kind of reevaluating films and going like i'm gonna give this movie another chance and see if i like it or not do you find yourself doing that a lot or yeah i, I think oftentimes i'm disappointed really it'll be like you know I'll, I'll look at the breakfast club or something like that and it's just you know it's just not the same or or you know raiders of the lost ark will never be as good as it was when i was like eight wow because i find the opposite is true where kind of my standards have lowered because or i don't want to say lowered but it's not like when i was like a cinephile the movies that i watch had to fit into the box of the stuff that i liked mm. like it needed to be john Woo style action and if it wasn't i'd be kind of disappointed if okay. you know what i mean yeah and it also made me think that like people's tastes seem to be like narrowing more now is that is that well i mean everybody lives in their own little silos right they can program things around and by virtue of the nature of uh, netflix yeah i mean people will just turn it off if they don't like it in the first two minutes because back in the day there was television you either watch what was on tv or you did or like if you went out to the video store and you rented a thing and you brought it back like you were invested in it like do you find that like when you go on the internet or you watch stuff on netflix you're catering to your specific tastes of course. like i want this one thing and i just want more of it i mean of course yes. you don't find that limiting like well do i you mean, feel like you challenge yourself when you watch movies well, I'm going to when we talk about Mike Lee next week. But, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I feel like I challenge myself more when I go out to the movies at a theater because it's like there's a limited number of options in the theater. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm at the mercy of what's playing. And I'm I'm. it's more like if I'm leaving my house, I've already made the commitment that like, OK, I'm, I'm out here. I'm going to I'm going to do this. Like, and you we, we've talked about a little bit before that you almost feel like you have a cultural appointment with certain things. Not as much as you did when you were a teenager. Yeah. But you're like, I need to see these important things films yeah sometimes if you know a director has a movie out or yeah. whatever yeah we're like woody allen you're like i gotta see that woody allen movie again well, i'm so invested in him <laughs> at this point i've seen all his movies like what am i gonna do stop going <laughs> the point of like the important cinema club in general is hoping that these people like watch more movies that they wouldn't watch they don't though you don't think so have I, uh, write in and tell us have we ever have you have we ever recommended a movie folks and you've gone out and watched it because I mean, when I listen to podcasts and people talk passionately about a movie that I've never heard of, I'm like, well, I got to see that. Or is that just me? I do that, too. Oh, do you? Yeah, but but I know that people tell me, they're like, yeah, you know, you can spoil the movies. I'm never going to see them. <laughs> but why? You fucking tell me that. Like, I want to hear that. <laughs> I don't know. 